Please do take a seat. Uh, if you have a Bible and you'd like to look at this passage for a few moments with you, you're very welcome. But I'll, I'll read the various uh, bits and paragraphs and sentences out of it. There's three things I think that Jesus is helping us to understand. Three Good Friday essentials out of this episode when he uh, was arrested, all revolving Jesus' death. And I think they get to the heart of why we call Good Friday Good Friday. Um, anyone else's death we would call a sad day, wouldn't we, if we have an anniversary of a loved one who's passed away, that is often quite a difficult day for us, a day of remembrance with sadness that is interwoven there. And yet we call the day that we celebrate Jesus' death a good day. And these three essentials, I think, help us to understand why Jesus would want us to understand it as a good day. The first is um, that Jesus dies because he chooses to. That Jesus dies because he chooses to. Right the way through this episode of Jesus being arrested, Jesus is in absolute and total control. That at every significant transition or change in direction as the story unfolds, Jesus is the one who initiates that or who orchestrates that. Let me show you that in the passage. Um, first of all, at all the key transitions, if you like, it's Jesus who makes the decision. So uh, look at sentence one. It says, when Jesus had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples. He's making the decision. I've finished now praying and now it's time for us to move on and, and go to the next place. Or verse four, it says, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asks the soldiers, who are you looking for? Jesus knows everything that is going to happen to him. He sees this great regiment of soldiers marching through the darkness with their lanterns and their weapons. And it's Jesus who steps towards the soldiers. Do you see that? He doesn't go scurrying, hiding away and trying to avoid being arrested. He walks towards it, knowing exactly what's going to happen. Or sentence seven, again, it's Jesus who asks them, oh, who is it that you want? He, he's trying to get them to actually arrest him. I am Jesus, he says repeatedly, uh, arrest me. Uh, sentence 11, it's Jesus who commands Peter, put away that sword as Peter gets all feisty. And uh, the only reason Peter is not actually a murderer is because of his incompetence with the sword. He went for this chap's neck without doubt and took his ear by mistake, didn't he? No one is a good enough shot with a sword just to trim the edge off an earlobe, are they? Um, just to the side, I read this story to my boys this morning, a Good Friday story, and they got very excited because I promised them we're going to Cannock Chase with their new pen knives this afternoon. So you can imagine what got into their minds after reading that. Um, but Jesus here is like the conductor in an orchestra. He's the one in control, and each portion, each set of players, the soldiers, the disciples, Peter, Judas, whoever it might be, Jesus is the conductor, making sure that his orchestra is playing to the tune that he wants. It's even more explicit uh, with the soldiers that Jesus chooses to die. When you look at the soldiers' initial reaction, in sentence four, this is what it says. Let me read it again. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, knowing his death is coming, knowing how horrendous that's going to be, he went out and he asked the soldiers, who is it that you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. Verse six, when Jesus said, I am he, the soldiers drew back and fell to the ground. Have you noticed that before? The soldiers worship Jesus. 
They say, we've come for Jesus, and Jesus says, I am he. Now there, Jesus is deliberately using an Old Testament phrase, which means, I am God. Exodus 3, when God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush, and Moses says uh, to, to God, what should I call you? And God says, call, call me, I am. And Jesus here is taking the name of God. I am, he's saying, I am God. And the soldiers, with their weapons, there to arrest Jesus, they fall down and they worship Jesus. Do you see the extent of his control? And so for a second time, Jesus says to the soldiers, he asks them again, verse 7, who is it you want? Jesus Nazareth, they said. Jesus says, I told you, I am he. If you're looking for me, let everyone else go. Arrest me. He has to get them up off their feet, put his hands out and say, put the shackles on me. Arrest me. Do you see the level of control and authority Jesus has even over his own death? And then the last way that we're explicitly told that Jesus chooses to die is twice we're told that Jesus himself has already predicted these events. There in sentence two, we're told that Jesus had already seen that Judas would betray him. He said that back in John chapter six. And then there in sentence nine, we're told this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken would be fulfilled. Words that he'd spoken back in chapter six, verse 39. Jesus had known months and months and months in the head the exact events that would occur. He's totally in control. So the first thing to note out of this passage is remarkably Jesus chooses to die. Nothing is out of his control here. This is a conscious deliberate, intentional, love-driven, justice-driven choice by Jesus. There is no mistake in his death. The second thing to note is that Jesus dies because God is angry. Jesus dies because God is angry. That Jesus' death fully and finally <coughs> satisfies God's anger. Look at sentence 11, if you've got it there. This, this is what it says. Jesus is talking to Peter. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Now, it seems a bit odd, that phrase, doesn't it? Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Well, what cup is Jesus referring to? Well, right the way through the Old Testament, the God's cup is a cup of rightful justice and wrath. It's a phrase that means that God is bringing his rightful justice, his rightful anger onto a situation of, of wickedness or evil or wrong. Let me just read a couple of those Old Testament places. There's, there's any number. Um, Isaiah 51, sentence 17. Awake, awake, rise up, Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord, the cup of his wrath. You have drained it to, it, to its dregs the goblet that makes people stagger and die. The cup is a cup of wrath and rightful anger and justice. Or Psalm 75. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. When they drink it, they will stagger. They will go mad because of the sword I will send among them. Or Jeremiah 25. 
So I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom he sent me drink it. Jerusalem and the towns of Judah, its kings, its officials, its ordinary men, to make them a ruin and an object of horror and of scorn and a curse. Drink, get drunk, vomit, fall to rise no more because of the sword I will send among you. See, that's the context of what's in Jesus's mind when he says, this is what my death on the cross is. It's me drinking the cup of God's rightful wrath and anger. That as Jesus dies, it is because God is angry. And as Jesus dies, he drains that cup to its very dregs. And therefore, the third thing to notice here is that Jesus dies because of God's love. Jesus dies because God is angry, and Jesus dies because of God's love. Look at sentence 11. No, sorry, 14. Caiaphas. Now, he was the chief priest, and he'd made a, uh, a comment earlier that he hadn't fully understood himself. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Now, what Caiaphas understood that he was saying is um, when the Roman occupying forces see that Jesus is stirring up a rebellion, they will crush all of us. So it's better that we execute Jesus to save everyone else from Rome. That's what Caiaphas thought he was saying. What we know he was saying in his position as high priest, spokesperson for God, even when his human faculties got it wrong, God still uses Caiaphas, the high priest, to say it is better in an eternal, divine way that one man, Jesus, would die for all people. Just like that phrase I, I read from 1 Peter 3.16, right at the beginning. Peter, who's right in the middle of this episode, Peter says, for Christ died for sins one for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. It is better that one person would die for all because God loves us so much. And therefore, remarkably, Jesus' death on the cross both fully and finally satisfies God's anger and fully and finally satisfies God's love at the same time that God shows his total and full justice, that all crimes will be punished totally. The cup will be emptied. Wickedness will not be allowed free. All of that is achieved as Jesus dies. And at the same time, God's love and compassion and embrace and adoration for his people is demonstrated as Jesus drinks the cup that had our name on it. Which is why... If you were able to flick over a page or two to John 19, 28 to 30, it's why Jesus' last act is a drink and his last words are saying, I've drunk that drink. This is what it says, John 19, 28. Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty, hanging on the cross. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished. 
And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He has drunk to the dregs the cup of God's wrath that had our name on it. And he says, it is finished. There is not a drop left for you to drink. I have drunk it all. All of God's wrath, I have taken it all because I love you so much. And all that is left for us is an empty cup. No wrath left for us. Just love. Just love. And friends, that is why Jesus wants us to call today Good Friday. Good Friday. Because that cup of wrath that said Alex Harris is empty. Because Jesus has drunk it for me. Shall I pray for us? Then we're going to sing in Christ alone. And then Chris will take us through communion as a physical reminder of what we've just taught. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for those final words you spoke. It is finished. The cup is empty. Full payment has been received. Nothing more is required. We thank you that though we deserve a full cup of your wrath, Jesus has emptied our cup to its very bottom and we are free of the punishment of our sins and our rebellion and therefore free to experience all of your love and all of your compassion for us. I pray this morning that each of us might pause And again, accept Jesus' offer to take the cup of wrath with our name on it. We want to place it into his hands as he invites us to. And that he might say about our lives and the punishment we deserve. He might say about us individually. Alex, it is finished. It is finished. I've paid the price fully for you and you are free. And we praise you, Jesus, that you would do that for us simply because you love us unfinchingly and unchangingly. It is only because of your grace. We praise you, Jesus, and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing with new hearts in Christ alone. All hope is found. Let's stand and sing.